Hey everyone, this is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch, a podcast dedicated to up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis of this historic and increasingly dramatic impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. I'm CNN reporter and producer Marshall Cohen, filling in for David Chalian as host. In a few moments, I'll be talking to retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, a CNN military and diplomatic analyst. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN national security reporter Kylie Atwood. Kylie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you both here. Uh, We'll get to you in a moment, Admiral Kirby. But Kylie, let's talk about what's going on on Capitol Hill. We've seen a lot of witnesses coming in to today, a huge one yesterday. People are still talking about uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who we discussed on the show yesterday. He's a National Security Council advisor, the top guy on Ukraine, and he offered a lot of testimony. And we learned more today about what he told lawmakers about that critical transcript of President Trump's call with the Ukrainian president. What's what are we hearing on that? Yeah. So what we're learning from him um, is that there were elements in the transcript, which the White House initially said was a rough transcript. But there are parts in that transcript that he heard and he suggested should be added and weren't added. So there are two specific things that he spoke to lawmakers about yesterday. One of them is the fact that uh, he heard President Trump say something about there being uh, recordings of Biden, tapes of Biden. And there is also a reference, uh, he said, to Burisma in that transcript. Burisma, the Ukrainian company where Hunter Biden was on the board. Right. And so the matter of the fact is that uh, we still get the crux of the you know idea that President Trump um, was conveying on this call, right? Uh, we know that he said uh, he wanted President Zelensky to do a favor for him. He wanted him to investigate Biden. So these ads wouldn't necessarily change uh, the general idea that we have about the call, but they are important because they demonstrate that someone who is a senior senior official on the Ukraine desk at the National Security Council was going forth and suggesting that there should be ads. That's his job. That's, That's part of his That's job. That's what they all do, right? They, they go over the transcripts of these calls. Uh, they add in things. They change things that may have been, you know, mistyped or what have you. Um, and his additions were denied. And so that is the key here. And the question is, who denied him of adding those things? And are there other White House officials who were on the call and also heard the same things that he said were mentioned and weren't included in this rough transcript? Right. So essentially, the bottom line is these transcript issues, they did not uh, when, when the White House released this, they did not hide the fact that this was about Biden. The word Biden is in there. Right. But. This guy, Colonel Vindman, uh, wanted to add more information, and that stuff would have been politically damaging to the president. If the word Burisma was in there, if if this stuff of these additional references to Biden. So I, I think it, the White House, it's, it would you say they didn't really bury the true intentions of the call. But they kind of tried to mitigate the damage a little bit. Yeah. And the other thing is that uh, when we asked them about some of these ellipses that were in the transcript of the call, the White House said that that was a result of 
voices trailing off, you know, things that they couldn't hear. Well, clearly that's not the case if someone who was on the call he heard, heard specifically what was referenced. Wow. So this Very is an instance where, you know, the White House would uh, be lying about the reason potentially for not including these specific references to Biden uh, in the call. And of course, the president has said the transcript was not only verbatim, but also perfect. We're seeing now that that's not completely supported. So let's take a step forward. And we had two uh, additional witnesses on Capitol Hill today. They're both current State Department officials. Kylie, who was there? Why are they important? And what did they say? Yeah, so this is uh, Christopher Anderson and Catherine Croft. They were both the deputies of Kurt Volker. So he was the special envoy to Ukraine who is one of the key players in this impeachment inquiry because he was the go-between between the White House, the State Department, and Ukrainian officials. They worked for him. So clearly they know a lot. They know about his schedule. They know uh, who he was talking to, when he was talking to him. And what they are planning to do, uh, according to their opening statements that we obtained copies of, is that they are going to continue to cast Giuliani as this shadow operator. So uh, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, who we hear about time and time again during this impeachment inquiry, is someone that they knew that their boss, Kurt Volker, was talking with. So uh, Catherine Croft, however, she is uh, the assistant who took over mid midway this summer. She, however, said that she never knew specifically when Kurt Volker was meeting with Giuliani or what they were discussing. But we know they did. They did have meetings. So yeah. So Volker, the envoy, his his deputy didn't wasn't exactly looped into all this stuff. Right. But if, when you take a look at their statements, um, they they were there in Kiev. They were in Ukraine on the ground. Right, exactly. And what Catherine does um, in stating that she doesn't know about, you know, specifically when they met or what they talked about, is she paints a picture of State Department officials not wanting to muddy themselves with what Giuliani was doing. I mean, if you're working for someone, you generally know the meetings that they're having, the stuff they're talking about. Croft did not want to know what Kurt was talking about with Giuliani. And then uh, the other person, Christopher Anderson, um, He also specifically references a meeting that he had in June with Kurt Volker and then the National Security Advisor, John Bolton. And during that meeting, John Bolton admitted to them that Giuliani was a key voice in the president's ear and they may and he may present an obstacle to some of the policy things that they were trying to push through. So let's zoom out for a second. We've got career foreign service officers, people that They weren't appointed by any president. They just are doing this because presumably they care about the country and they care about foreign policy. And they are seeing on one side Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, essentially running his own shadow foreign policy. And they're trying to figure out how is this going to work? Yeah. I mean, they're trying to figure out how is this going to work. And they're also trying to say, listen, we don't want to get involved with this uh, because Rudy Giuliani doesn't work for the State Department. He works personally for the president. He is there uh, to carry out Trump's personal agenda that has nothing to do uh, with the objectives of the Trump administration of the U.S. government. Let's zoom out even more. These guys all ostensibly, they, they all work under Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, right? These are all State Department employees. 
where's Pompeo in all of this? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, first of all, Pompeo uh, escaped to Kansas last week, and there's speculation, of course, that uh, Pompeo may run for what is to be the open Kansas Senate seat, even though he uh, repeatedly says he's not going to run. He keeps going to Kansas, so eyebrows continue to raise. And while he was there, he did a number of interviews with local folks on the ground in Kansas, clearly expecting that they're going to ask about Kansas issues or, you know, about employment issues uh, for folks from Kansas and the Trump administration. But they went at him pretty hard and they asked some questions about if he was, you know, spending his time wisely visiting Kansas while there was all this national security stuff happening. Yeah, Kylie, you know, those reporters actually did press pretty hard and we've got a clip of that. So let's take a listen. Are you concerned at all that the investigations, the subpoenas, you know, we have testimony from respected diplomats? Has that damaged your image uh, and your leadership uh, in the agency? I don't think about that stuff. I work hard. I do the right things best I can tell every day. I try to make sure my team is similarly focused. Uh, you all talk about this noise an awful lot. You all are fixated on this. Uh, the State Department, you should know, is not. So he came under fire and he has done a number of interviews, but he really continues to back Trump. He does not say that anything was wrong with the call between President Trump and Zelensky that we have now all seen the transcript of. We've all read the transcript. All right. Much more to discuss, Kylie. We've got uh, more to talk about, more to analyze. Admiral John Kirby is waiting in the wings here to join our conversation. But first, we are going to take a quick break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm CNN's Marshall Cohen. My colleague Kylie Atwood is still with me, and we're both very pleased to welcome CNN military and diplomatic analyst, retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, a man with extensive experience in public service. Thank you for being with us today. Great to be here. Thanks. So you just heard us talking about Pompeo and what he's been up to, and I want to throw the question right back at you because, of course, you served at a senior level in, in the State Department under the Obama administration. What's what's your take on, on how the Secretary of State is sort of navigating this very choppy waters here for the State Department? Well, we're Department. certainly in uh, a little bit of unprecedented territory here uh, with what's going on with the impeachment inquiry. But look, even in a normal administration, any cabinet official uh, has to strike a balance between hewing to the policy and making sure that you, you aren't um, working closely and in a positive way with the White House, with the president, your boss, as well as representing and defending uh, and furthering the mission of the institution that you're serving at, whether it's the Pentagon, DHS, State Department. So there's always this very unique balance, which is why leadership is so important as a cabinet official. Uh, and so I I understand to some degree why Mr. Pompeo is being very careful and cautious in what he says right now, uh, because he has to strike that balance. I mean, he does he does serve at the pleasure of the president, uh, and that's something you have to take seriously. Uh, what I 
hear from uh, colleagues who uh, are still working in the State Department, and this is just anecdotal from the, the folks that I'm still in touch with, is that they're, they're disappointed that Mr. Pompeo isn't uh, – they understand he has to strike this balance, but they're a little disappointed that he hasn't come out more forcefully uh, in defense of their work. And many of right. them feel just in general – and this started even under Tillerson. They just feel like their work's being undermined and not appreciated and made 10 times harder, not, not merely by the policies, uh, which – obviously have caused some disarray in, in U.S. foreign policy, but by the uh, vitality with which uh, the Secretary of State um, is uh, helping articulate those policies and backing up their efforts to do so. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's so interesting to sort of, sort of see how people under the gun in these very high-pressure situations strike that balance. There was a key resignation a few weeks ago from one of Pompeo's advisors because he wasn't standing up for State Department officials, uh, ambassador to Ukraine. Um, I, want to, I want to play for you a clip from uh, Adam Schiff, the Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, talking about what started everything off here, the whistleblower. I would hope that more of my GOP colleagues throughout the Congress on both sides of the Capitol would express their support for whistleblowers who have the courage to come forward and expose wrongdoing. Uh, they have the right to remain anonymous. Uh, they certainly should not be subject to these kind of vicious attacks uh, and other words and actions that threaten their safety for doing their patriotic duty. Yes, yeah, so we're, of course, we're talking about what started this all, a whistleblower complaint filed by someone right. in the U.S. intelligence community. Um, Kirby, you've been, you've been there, right? You've been in these important positions. You've served in the military. You've served in, in government at very senior levels. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment, if you will. What goes through the minds of somebody in our government who sees something wrong and thinks they might need to do something about it? It's a very difficult uh, kind of decision to make. Um, uh, but we all have an obligation when you swear an oath uh, to take these jobs. You do have an obligation to report wrongdoing when you believe you see it. Um, and there's, that's always a gray area. What you think is wrongdoing may or may not be. But when you believe you've seen wrongdoing, uh, particularly uh, acts of, the, of perhaps corruption and, and acts that might threaten national security, you do have an obligation to speak up. And it's a very personal, gut-wrenching decision that any individual has to make. I've never been in that position, so I don't want to pretend to know how hard this was for the whistleblower or for any of the people that have been called up now uh, to testify, especially when you're talking about potential wrongdoing by the commander-in-chief. These stakes are very high. And uh, I think uh, no matter what side of the debate you're on here in terms of impeachment, uh, and the inquiry itself, I would like to think that everybody could at least understand the moral courage that it is re required f for these people to do what they're doing. I'd like to believe uh, that I would have that moral courage. I don't know. I, I just don't know. I've never been in that position, and I certainly wouldn't try to wrap myself in that cloth. Um, but it, it is, uh, it's a, it's got to be a gut-wrenching thing, and I think we all should at least respect the position that they're in and the integrity with which they are trying to relay events to the best of their ability. Also, I mean, whistleblowers uh, remaining anonymous is something that's 
protected by law, right? And so it's, it's, I mean, that's noteworthy and important. And it's also interesting that uh, the lawyer for Catherine Croft and Christopher Anderson, those two State Department officials who are up speaking with Congress today, felt the need in an opening statement before these committees to say, listen, both of my clients, they are not the whistleblower, but they're not going to any answer any questions about who the whistleblower is. We've seen a because little bit of that. Because we've seen members, you know, Republicans who want to uh, cast the whistleblower as politically motivated in one shape or another, um, try to get to the bottom of that and try to potentially release the name of that person so they can come under scrutiny, uh, which they are protected by law to not come under that kind of scrutiny. It's deeper than just who's going to score some political points on this. This is a, you know, that's a great point, Kylie. This is a legal, this is enshrined in law. People have a right when you work for our government to report what you see without being afraid of losing a job for it or maybe even something more serious. I saw reports overnight of threats to the whistleblower. Uh, law enforcement had to interview at least one person with a. Uh, it's it's just a very we we've come a long way from that initial complaint now where people's lives are being threatened. Uh, Kylie, I wanted to sort of just wrap up here with a sort of look towards what's coming up next. It's been a busy week. There's more witnesses coming. What do you have your eyes on? Yeah. So one thing that I am really interested to learn about is Tim Morrison. So who is Tim Morrison? He is the senior director of all of Europe at the NSC. He took over that job at some point in mid-July. He took over for Fiona Hill, who we've already heard from. And he is the person who is the boss of Vinman. So he was uh, someone who was on this July 25th call. He is someone who we know was talking to the top diplomat, Bill Taylor, about what he was learning with regard to Trump's intentions uh, with withholding this assistance. And so he is really at the heart of all of this. He was at the White House. He was the person who was communicating uh, to the diplomats out in the field about what he was learning. And so I think he is going to be a key witness. Um, and lawmakers are going to learn a lot tomorrow, I predict. We don't know. <laughs> we'll that's see. What I think. We'll be watching. And also, there's a key vote tomorrow in the House of Representatives to uh, set the rules going forward, the rules of the road for this impeachment inquiry, which, frankly, guys, is just still in its beginning stages. Kylie, Kirby, thank you guys for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch, and thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a rating or comment. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.